Hey, thanks for listening to our Life Church Utah podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are located here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you can check us out online at lifechurchutah.com. Well, good morning, everybody. How many of you love seeing the snow on the mountains? Summer is gone. Winter is here. Winter is coming, right? It is uh, really great to have you. Now, uh, uh, last week I gave some homework uh, for those of you who are here, and I heard from at least two of you, so that's very, very good, two of you that I heard from, that actually wrote letters to people who have influenced their life, and they just wanted to be a blessing to. I don't know, I'm sure there's others who did that. I'm sure all of you did that, in fact, by faith, right? Um, but it was uh, really rewarding to hear their stories of how God used the letters that they wrote to some people, and what an encouragement it was to them personally as they encouraged other people. And so please keep it up, folks. This is, right, us becoming more like what I think Jesus wants us to be and encouraging others, blessing others, and uh, just providing hope through Jesus Christ. So, um, And then before we begin, I wanted to let you know about something that's coming up. It might feel like it's a long way away, but it's about six weeks away. Uh, but I wanted to give you a heads up because it involves giving. And uh, we've done this for a number of years. It's called One Day to Feed the World. I believe we have a slide for it, yeah. Uh, One Day to Feed the World. And uh, One Day to Feed the World is through Convoy of Hope, and it's our opportunity to give one day's wage, where we would look at what we make in a year, divide that by uh, 365 or two, however many days a year you work, whatever that is, and say, we're going to give that to be a blessing to the world around us through Convoy of Hope. And uh, so I just wanted to give you a heads up now so that you can start thinking ahead in your budget, right? So that, uh, so that you're able to, uh, to give generously uh, towards this. Last year, I don't know if you remember this last year or not, uh, but last year when we gave for the one day to feed the world uh, was our largest offering, certainly with the smallest number of people that had come. We gave more than the previous year with probably way, way less than half the people. And the other really great thing that happened in that offering was that, uh, can, can I just, I'm going to share from my heart for just a moment as your pastor. There are times when we give uh, to a special offering, but that giving comes from the giving that you would normally give to just the normal tithes and offerings and things like that. And so it ends up being a negative for the church, right? But we have a great offering for this project, but then other things suffer. Last year, that did not happen during One Day to Feed the World. And so what that revealed to me is that this is an incredibly generous congregation, and you're able to give above and beyond and trust the Lord in that other giving that is truly generous, right? One of our core, core values is radical generosity. And so thank you for displaying that last year and cannot wait to see what happens this year. And we have many more people uh, who are here uh, that have made their way back and new, new folks that are part of Life Church. And so looking forward to that offering coming up on November 21st. So get ready uh, for that, and sorry for that lengthy commercial there. Um, have you ever been somewhere where you have seen or felt power? You know, been around somewhere, I don't know, uh, you know, like uh, Hoover Dam, that water coming through, well, if there's any water coming through it, no, I'm not real sure, right? But, uh, but, you know, Hoover Dam, whatever, I mean, it's just there is power associated with that, and you can feel that power. Uh, my wife and I, a number of years ago, we went to uh, Niagara Falls. Anybody been to Niagara Falls before? 
and they got a picture of it. That, this is not a picture we took. That's a, uh, my picture on my phone does, looks nothing like that. Um, but uh, we were there at Niagara Falls. It's just beautiful. But beyond that, the pounding of that water. You can, anybody been to Niagara Falls before? Raise your hand real quick. It is really kind of cool. Uh, the Canadian side is much prettier, but good luck getting into Canada right now. Um, so, uh, right, and, and just beautiful. But the power that you could feel coming from that waterfall was palpable, right? You could feel it reverberating in the ground. It was really wonderful. Or have you ever been to, next picture here, drag race before? Anybody ever been there? Right? Yeah, a few of you. Yes. Too bad the one's gone here in uh, North or whatever, the Magna, whatever they used to be up there. Uh, but uh, race day at the drag strip, I've been to a couple of races and it is just fascinating, right? 10,000 horsepower. These machines, zero to 60 faster. I mean, just like that and up to nearly 400 miles an hour, I think now. Uh, and a quarter mile is just awesome. And then I get into my like Ford Bronco, which is nice, right? I love it, but zero to 60 in about seven minutes. You know, I mean, it is like uh, nothing like, but you can feel if you are there and you don't have earplugs in, your ears are goner because there is that power that is there. It's really uh, fascinating. Um, a uh, number of years ago at a ministry event that we were doing with our students, uh, this is, uh, we were in Minneapolis at the time, a storm was coming in, we're doing this big outdoor event, and uh, we, we were looking you know, at our team, we're setting stuff up, even though we saw the storm coming, we're like, we love Jesus, we're going to do this no matter what, <laughs> really sometimes wisdom needs to set in. And so we're watching the storm come across, and one of our girls, she had longer hair, and her hair literally went like this. And we're like, okay, get down. I don't know what that does. I have no idea. And I'm being the tallest one. I'm like, let me get down lower than everybody else. So we got down within, I mean, within seconds of that lightning struck within about 50 yards of where we were, 60 yards, just this crazy lightning strike. And we're like, you know what? This outreach is done. We're finished. We're, we're doing this thing. Anybody ever been struck by lightning? Anyone? Good. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad of that. You could survive it. Difficult, but you could survive it. Um, and I, I need to share a personal story. Uh, with, um, years ago when I was a youth pastor, before I had any sort of wisdom, it still lacks at times, but I had no wisdom as a youth pastor. And uh, I was wanting to talk about the power of God in a service. And the idea was that you cannot hold on to both the world and Jesus at the same time. You, you just, you're not, that's not the life you're supposed to live. You just can't do that. And so the illustration that I had set up was fantastic. We had a stage and I had wired under the stage from a socket two metal poles, one labeled Jesus and one labeled the world. And the goal was to get one of my students to come up here and say, see what it feels like if you try to hold on to Jesus and the world at the same time. Now, in my mind, the way that this illustration was going to go was that they would grab it, they would feel this jolt of 110 go through the body and they would let go, right? They would let go because you can't hold on to Jesus and the world at the same time. <laughs> the problem was, the student that I happened to pick grabbed one, grabbed the other, and he goes, this is awesome! not the result I was looking for. And I'm like going, okay, I got to re-preach my message now entirely. Like, no, holding on to Jesus in the world is not awesome. That is not a good thing. So yeah, little did I realize that was quite dangerous. I had no idea. But afterwards we played with it and we had like a whole huge group of line of students who were like zapping each other. It was really fun. Um, don't do that. Tate, please do not do that. <laughs> Power. 
right? It's not just an invisible, or not just a visible thing like water pounding the ground. It's not invisible or maybe intangible like electricity. Um, There's power that can be felt that is located in institutions like governments where power is exerted. In a person who just has power and authority. Have you ever been around somebody that just has power and authority exuding from them based on a position or something like that? Like if you're the president of the United States or there's, there's somehow there's a power and authority that's in the position, right, that is there. Um, and ultimately there is power beyond this life by what we sense and feel and, are, and participate in in this world around us. Uh, life, our planet, our creation above, within, beyond surrounding us is at times a power that cannot, well, there's always the power that we cannot see. Uh, and that is this, this power of our creator God, always around us, no matter where we go. Sometimes we sense it more than others, right? Uh, in moments, just a few minutes ago, we're singing um, uh, the song, Where Would I Be? And I'm just like deeply moved in that moment, thinking about Jesus, where would I be without your power in my life, without your authority in my life, without your presence in my life? Where would I be? So this God of power, right? He spoke the worlds. He spoke and the worlds came into existence. His breath formed the stars, uh, I mean, just the beautiful imagery that we have all throughout, uh, throughout Scripture of the power of our Creator God. At His direction, land and waters separated, <laughs> right? And the oceans and the seas and the rivers were all formed. That's power. The power to create. The ability to shape that is power. And in the very center of this creation, right, in the Garden of Eden... He created man and woman in his image, created them to till the soil, created them to uh, watch over and protect his creation, to work in partnership with that power to make it flourish. And in creation, God's power is evident even through the way that he interacts because he chooses to love even in the limitation of the choices that we make against him. Right? In any season, we sing, in any season, Jesus, you have been with me, I have, though I've denied you in those seasons, at least in some of them. And from this point of Adam and Eve, when they trusted in themselves over ultimately trusting in God, from that season on, um, God has still been at work. He has still been working in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, on the side of the scenes at every opportunity to bring himself to the forefront. Even in the middle of that separation, he's working in new ways to bring those who carry his image back to him. Even though sin has broken and marred that image within us. So his power is now at work through imperfect people through imperfect leadership structures and kingdoms that are susceptible to human weakness, right? God's power is still for us. Now, uh, that interaction between us, broken, uh, sinful humanity and God, that changed 
and really began to uh, work in earnest at something called the Advent. Now, um, we've got Christmas coming up, and uh, that's a very exciting time for the church, right, as we look towards the birth of Christ, even though Jesus was probably born in April or something like that. But we are going to choose December 25th to do that because the rest of the world does, <laughs> right? And, uh, but at, with the Advent of Christ, right, in his birth, things began to change, the power of God revealed in an upside-down way through powerlessness, all of a sudden the power of God is made more evident than ever before. In the first century Roman Empire world, of corruptible power comes this incorruptible power of God through Jesus Christ. He lives this perfect life, the picture of true humanity redeemed, he gives himself on a criminal's cross for our sins, for the things that we have done, the things we have yet to do, right? He's looking forward through the thousands of years of whatever will be our history looking back. He's looking forward, realizing that he is paying the price for us on the cross. Jesus lived that sinless life and the power of the Spirit available to us. Then it says that he ascended to the throne reserved for him all authority and power and love that's given to him. This is Jesus. He is worthy of our hearts. He's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our allegiance and our belief and our trust because he holds all the power. <laughs> and it's his power that transforms our lives because he doesn't abuse the power. How many of you have seen abuse of power? <laughs> right. We see it all around us, regardless of what it is. Social media, or social media platforms, government, and even in homes and things like that, you see that abuse of power all around, and this is something that Jesus does not do. And then there's this guy that comes along named Paul, trying to stop this power of Jesus. Right early on in Paul's life, he was somebody who was in power and in authority and could tell people what to do. He's trying to stop that power until Jesus says, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> You're not going to stop this power and literally knocks him off his horse, changes his life radically. And the same Paul then who was trying to stop the church is now tasked with growing the same church he was trying to stop. The power of Christ radically transformed his life. How many of you would say, yeah, that's what Jesus has done in my life. He's transformed my life, right? He's transformed us, made us different. Um, so Paul turns his life over to Jesus. He instantly realizes that everything of the power that he was trying to seek before is now broken. All the ways he was trying to associate um, you know, spiritual with power, that that was wrong. He's looked at the Roman Empire and it was all wrong and he realized that Jesus had flipped all of this upside down and that the world around him now would see the message that Paul was trying to preach the message of Jesus, this gospel of Christ, was foolishness. People would probably laugh at Paul. The people who are now in power, where Paul was earlier, <laughs> they would now be laughing at him because the message he's trying to preach to them was foolishness. Why, Paul, are you trying to tell us that this isn't power? And at the season or at the time when Paul was living, and this was really fascinating to me as I was looking at this, um, 
you had philosophers, you had Greek Roman philosophers at this time, you know, within, within 100 years before Paul and soon after Paul, uh, people like uh, Epictetus, Epicurus, Seneca, and others who are historians and philosophers. One of the things that they were writing about at that time, this is in the Roman world, the Greek world, and also in the Jewish world, what they were writing about at this time was their need for someone to come help them get, at, get them out of the mess that they were in. In fact, one of the quotes that uh, is there is uh, they were waiting for a hand to be let down and to lift them up. This is in philosophy of the world at the time in Roman first century world, realizing that the power systems were totally corrupt and broken and salvation and life had been taken from them. And these philosophers are going... We got to find it somewhere. Please let a hand be lift or let a hand be sent down to lift us up. Salvation. We all need it. We recognize that in our own power, all we do is have a tendency to make things a mess. If we try to do things on our own, and Paul saw this, right? The early church would even see this at other, at other times. The Roman world saw this. It was not a perfect system that their own power messed things up. So Paul writes to this early Roman church. Remember, it's, it's less than 20 years old at this time. And he's greeting them, right? He's telling them, hey, this is the gospel that I'm preaching to you. And then last week we saw, um, you know, and I'm going to encourage you. You've got something to say to me that's going to encourage me. I've got something to say to you that's going to be encouraging to you. And we're excited about that. But let me go back to what I said at the very beginning. I'm here because of the gospel. And so what Paul says um, in this is he begins to describe what the gospel is. And something we've got to understand about what Paul believes about the gospel, um, that that's kind of a, um, a catchphrase for Paul. When he says the gospel, what he is referring to is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So whenever you, see, you hear Paul talking about the gospel uh, in a sentence, in a paragraph, whatever, whenever you see it, just you can put in there the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what you can insert in there is that story of Jesus. So the word gospel encompasses this whole story of Jesus. Now he won't get to really all that this story means and reveal all of this until a little bit later in Romans, uh, but this is where he's going and this next, these next two verses I'm going to read to you, this is the heart of the book of Romans. This is absolutely, you, you can look at this and really for the next 11 chapters, well, actually through the end of chapter 11, this is what Paul keeps going back to is this, uh, these two verses right here. And this is what it says. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. If you've got your Bibles or smart devices, please uh, go ahead and pull them out at this time. So Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Remember, insert. I am not ashamed of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. Why? For it is God's power. God's power, not man's power. Not an institution's power, not a government's power, not a, uh, not a church's power, not a, you know, what, not a religious cult's power. It is God's power for one thing, for salvation salvation. For who? For an elect group of people who are right. <laughs> Does 
that what it says? For, for, for just a very, very small group of people, for good moral people. No, he says salvation for everyone, right? And if we're not careful, we can stop there and we have this really, really broad open door, which we do in Jesus, right? We have a broad open door, but there's one caveat to this that Paul makes sure that he includes. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. I'm not ashamed of this for this story, for, for what's behind it. This, this is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who has faith. For everyone who trusts in the story. Everyone whose allegiance is back to Jesus. For everyone whose loyalty is back to this message of Jesus Christ. And he goes on, he says, to the, uh, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous by faith will live. So there is a lot, um, uh, there's, a, there's a whole lot in this, um, in this passage of scripture that uh, we won't do justice here in the next few minutes. But what we need to understand is the central idea that Paul has um, in here is very first and foremost, he's not ashamed. He's not ashamed because his life has absolutely been transformed and changed. That this message, that to the world seems like foolishness. In fact, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 18, another letter that he wrote to, a, to another church in Corinth, he said, uh, for the word of the cross, and again, it's one of those euphemisms you can say for the, you know, this, the, the word of the cross, the story of Jesus, is folly, or some of your versions would say is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we need to flip this script upside down and recognize that anytime we tell the story of Jesus to the world around us, it's not understood until all of a sudden, that belief begins to happen in that foolish message of the cross of Christ. And all of a sudden, it's like a flip switches. And man, that which we thought was foolish has all of a sudden flipped upside down, and this becomes power. Power for salvation, right? Power for transformed lives. Power for, to, to rid ourselves of addictions, to break the chains, to remove the sin from our lives, right? This is that power that begins to operate in our lives. It is no longer foolishness. The cross, its power, its influence, foolishness to the world. It makes no sense for us to tell the story, right? Until we get to the other side of it and flip it upside down and all of a sudden it becomes the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So this gospel was the power of God for the transformation of lives. It's as simple as that. Um, Paul saw this above the need of everything around him. And so that's why he proclaimed above anything economic, above anything political, above anything relational. He realized that the cross is absolutely at the bottom of all of that. Everything, because the cross ultimately represents the power of God for salvation, right? Everything bows at the foot of the cross or will eventually. Um, you may be here today and you may be watching online and have been watching maybe for months and you haven't experienced the belief that leads to the power of God in your life. 
right? It's, it's remained out there. Maybe it's remained a bit foolish for you. And maybe you're even here and you got an invitation from somebody it's your first time ever in a church and you've never looked at, this, at the cross as something to bring into your life or, or the life of Jesus as something that you should proudly and unashamedly proclaim. Um, we can often be in this boat that pictures us as irredeemable, as unforgivable, that we have done so many bad things that God would never forgive us or love us. Is that where you are? I know there have been times in my life, even as a follower of Christ, when I have felt that way. When I felt like, I, God, I don't deserve your love. This is as far as it goes. <laughs> it was last week that you loved me and no more. But for each one of us, we do have to come to grips with the story of the cross of Jesus Christ. His life, his death, his resurrection because there's salvation through that story. That salvation happens through belief. And that belief shows up through our trust, our loyalty, our allegiance to him, because there's an exchange that happens in our lives when we believe. In Romans 1.17, he says, for the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous by faith will live. The righteousness of God comes into play with all of this story because um, this is the exchange that begins to take place in our lives. Because there are times we do feel unloved, right? We feel like we have gone too far. We feel like we are unforgivable in the way or irredeemable in our lives. And honestly, without the cross, we don't have any hope. But I love what Paul says here. It says, for the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. What is this righteousness? Well, righteousness is this basic idea of a right standing with God, that I'm, I'm in right standing with God. What do I need to do to be in right standing with God? Um, is there a, a, a series of tenets that, I've, that I have to, um, have to do Right? Do I have to earn my way into this right standing with God? And that really is a prevailing idea, not, not just in religions that are near us, but secular society around us is all about earning, <laughs> proving. But that's not what Paul was getting at. Paul was getting at this idea that there's an exchange, that this righteousness of God, being in right standing with God is available to us even if you've done bad things, even if you've done sinful things. Right standing with God, a right relationship with him is available to us. But it's found in the foolishness of the cross. It's found in what he did on that cross for us. This righteousness of God is personal and relational. It speaks not just about God's work in Christ on the cross, but more directly of his work in individual lives as he puts 
those who respond to the gospel in faith, he puts us in right relationship with him. Did you catch that? It's he who puts us in right relationship with him. It's not us. It's not us working and earning our way so that God looks at us and says, oh, now I love you. For some of us, that's really hard for us to get because Jesus paid it all. He paid it all that we would be right with his Father. Um, we, if we try on our own, the results is we get really puffed up in our soul. If we try on our own, it turns back to us and to these broken hearts, it turns back to us and I'm going to earn my, I'm going to make it right with God. I'm going to do this. It's really the ultimate of pride. Saying I can do this on my own. But remember everything about Jesus, everything about the story of Christ is upside down from what we expect it to be. And a life that's pleasing to God is found in him because he's made that way for us to be right with him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin. Jesus didn't know any sin, but he made him to be sin so that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that just for a moment. Because Jesus paid the price for us, we become, we are the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God because of what Jesus has worked inside my life. I now live in a state of rightness with God, not of anything I've ever done. Not because I followed a set of rules. I can stand before God with confidence in right relationship with Him because Jesus on the cross and my belief, my trust, my allegiance, my loyalty to His life empowered through the Spirit. I'm going to invite every one of us to stand to our feet. Now we're going to do communion here in just a moment. So if you want to go ahead and uh, have your communion cups. If you did not receive a communion cup when you came in, can you just lift your hand really quickly? I will make sure that you get one up in the balcony as well. If you did not receive a communion cup, I'm going to invite you to, do, to, uh, to grab that. So here, here's the deal with communion. Right? This is a celebration of right standing with God. That's really what this is. So it makes one presumption that we have received Jesus into our lives. We have allegiance and loyalty towards him. And so we need to make this right to begin with before communion happens. So every head, every head bowed, every eye closed. And those of you online as well, you can take this moment. You're here today and you would say, you know, pastor, I've never received Jesus into my life. I've never put my trust in the story of who Jesus is. I've never put my loyalty and allegiance towards him. I've never done that. But today I recognize, man, I've been trying on my own to, to try to work my way to salvation on my own. I've tried to do this, trying to follow a, a series of rules, trying to tell what other people are wanting me to do. But I realize it's Jesus and him alone that leads me to right life with him. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor, I know I need Jesus in my life. Can you just lift your hand really quickly? Thank you. 
Thank you up in the balcony, back there in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Amen. Probably six, eight hands were raised. I'm so excited for that, right? Because this is that step forward into relationship with Christ. Now that's been taken care of, right? That, that loyalty now begins to live in our lives in the long-term basis. So I'm going to invite everybody, just repeat a very, very simple prayer after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, welcome into my life. <laughs> I know it's yours anyway, but I choose to trust you. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for mine, for taking my sin and returning righteousness to me. Jesus, thank you for new life and thank you, God, for a new future. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord for that, amen, amen. And so what we have here in front of us is communion. And communion represents the story of Jesus, right, in a very, very simple emblem. His body and his blood represented through the bread and the juice. And the body that was broken for us, really to provide new life for us, right? His body broken and there's healing promises in the word because of this emblem of the body of Christ. And so Jesus, we are grateful for this emblem that you've asked us uh, to take Jesus, thank you for new life. Thank you, Jesus, for healed bodies. Thank you, Jesus, for a, a, a new strength and a new hope and encouragement in our lives today. And so, Father, we are grateful for the work that Jesus did on the cross by giving himself for us to make us right with you, Jesus. Lord, we praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. We go to partake together. Carefully open up that second uh, pocket there for the juice. If you need some help, sometimes it can be difficult. Just turn to your friend. I'm going to read this scripture uh, to you. It's out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, By this the love of God is revealed in us. So how does God reveal his love to the world around us? That God sent his one and only son into the world so that we may live through him. The promise that we have because of the work done on the cross of Christ is that the love of God is revealed in us to a world out there that thinks they know who God is, but they've never read the Bible. <laughs> they think they know, uh, they, they, they think they know that God is um, is a God of anger, a God who's try, a retributive, right? A God who wants uh, to, uh, to push you down instead of a God who wants to show his love. Where does God show his love? Through us. This is it, folks. Right, and as we take communion, God's greatest love of all by him giving his one and only son to us is revealed, right? So Jesus, thank you that you reveal your love through us. Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to partake of you in this emblem of the cup. And so Jesus, thank you for, for sealing that love of God in us by dealing with our sin on the cross. And because you dealt with it there on the cross, your word says that we become the righteousness of God. 
that right standing with God is visibly shown through our lives and we can actually live the life we've always dreamed of. We can live a life uh, free from the shackles and brokenness of sin in the world. We can live our lives in such a way is that it shows the love of God clearly revealed even through these broken and sinful lives. Jesus, thank you for the new life you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. And I know we're a cup, we're like a minute late, and I apologize for that. But I feel like we need to, in this moment, just take a moment and worship. And um, Natalie's going to lead us uh, just for a moment. Folks, where you are, let's lift our hands to him, right? Because he, he's given us his best. Let's give back to him our lives as best we can. Father, we give you all the glory My and all the praise. Is Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Our perspective is you, God. Our agenda is you. My agenda Thank is you, Jesus. us through the words that Paul is preaching, that we are not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the story of Jesus, because in this story is salvation for everyone who believes. And God, we receive that from you as a promise and a hope. And so God, let us leave from this place filled, filled, oh God, with your love, because you've called us to reach those around us who don't know you. Lord, I praise you. God, I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Lord, we're grateful that uh, we have the opportunity to represent you to the world around us. And uh, God, let it be that we live lives of worship. Let us live lives of praise and to reveal your love. God, we love you this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. A couple things before you leave. Um, 
we are beginning to be able to, uh, to pray with one another again differently. And if you would like prayer, we will have prayer teams up here at the front. We'd love to pray with you about anything you got going on in your life. We'd love to pray with you. Secondly, don't forget, next week we continue our Roman series. We're getting to some pretty tough stuff next week. So come ready to be challenged as we take a look at really how the world, right, and the culture around us, there's times there's conflict between what the word says and what the world says. And so we're going to be uh, navigating some tough waters next week. Make sure you're here. We've got to have a biblical world for you. So God bless you guys. See you next week.